Our reading continues this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead, Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. As she wept, she bent down to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the feet. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? She replied, They have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've put him. As soon as she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet gone to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, reveal your word to us this day that we might have life in your name. Amen. Earlier this week, as I began to engage the scripture lessons for the day, I set my mind to focus on the reading from Acts chapter 10. And for a couple of days, I wrestled with this important story about Peter's unexpected vision and the sudden experience of God's own sincere desire and initiative, reaching out beyond the limits of what Peter had known and understood of God's intention through Jesus Christ. 
And it is striking, even today, that what Peter would go on to discover in the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, was none other than the vital and vibrant presence of the Holy Spirit, showing up in a place that Peter did not himself at first seem to belong. And I set my mind to focus on this reading and upon the challenge that such a story presents to us who are ourselves constrained by the limits of our own experiences. And I began to ponder what it would mean for our community to begin to listen and to hear God sending us to a place and places where we had never been, only to discover when we finally arrive that God all along had been planning to meet us there. For several days I wrestled with this story, and after a while I realized that it was not for me to preach this message to you on Easter morning. And the reason that it was not for me to preach this message to you today is that as important as Peter's vision is to our understanding of the promise of the Holy Spirit, were it not for Mary Magdalene and for the events found in today's gospel lesson, Peter would never have made it to Cornelius' house. And recognition of the limited number of weeks that we still have to be in ministry together and that I will serve as one of your pastors It struck me very pointedly this week, even more so than before, that in the time that we have remaining, I wish more than anything to share with you that which is most important. So as I returned again to the scripture lessons for this morning, I could think of nothing more necessary than to reflect on the opening words of John chapter 20 and its implications. Early in the morning, On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Perhaps you also can hear and maybe sense the similarity of John's gospel with the opening verse of Genesis chapter 1. The resemblance between these verses is very much intended by the gospel writer who desires to draw a close connection between the beginning of time and the dawning of the new creation made known to us in Jesus of Nazareth, the word made flesh, God's only son, our Lord. Indeed, the gospel writer seeks for us who read the story to also experience the freshness of renewal and joy in all its fullness, originating from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who also created the world, who existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. Thus, there is joy as we gather on this Easter day, for the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this is good news, to be sure. It is the very best news. Still, we must acknowledge that there are many of us here today who are like Mary, and maybe each of us in our own way, coming to the tomb early in the morning while it is still dark. Those of us for whom the sun hasn't quite come up yet, 
and the morning is taking its time to arrive. And our tired eyes seem to have adjusted to the night. Whether because of disappointments or doubts or of grief for those who have died, whether because of the clouds of personal suffering or anguish either for ourselves or for someone who is close to us, whether because we're getting used to things not working out or because we find ourselves stuck living somewhere in between where we are and would like to be. Or maybe it's because we can feel the heaviness of the challenges facing this world and they just seem so big that it's hard to look ahead into the future without stumbling into hopelessness. Some of us have grown so accustomed to living in the dark that it seems like there's no longer any light for us to see. Perhaps we no longer remember what the light looks like, feels like. Perhaps the night has been so long that we're no longer able to determine or to decipher where we are. When Mary first saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, she ran from the tomb as fast as she could, confessing to Peter and the other disciple what she did not know. But after a little while, somehow, Mary returns to the tomb a second time. And we do not know what leads her there. Perhaps it is curiosity, or perhaps it is simply despair. Whatever her reasons, Mary decides to wait there in the dark. And as she begins to weep, with nowhere else to go, she decides to look again. Though Mary is afraid of finding the tomb empty, she's more afraid of not knowing the truth. And so she manages, with the help of grace, to find the courage to overcome her fear. And it is only after confronting the fear of finding nothing that Mary begins to notice something that she had not seen before. At first, the angels who greet her from the tomb are silent, without answers to give, just questions to ask. And their only message to Mary is their presence there with her. And this is important because the first discovery that Mary makes, the very first sign of light that Mary finds is in the awareness that she's not alone in the dark. As it is written in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, though it was dark over the face of the deep, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, listening, waiting nearby. Though Mary did not understand at first what it meant that God was there with her, Mary's awareness of God's presence enabled her to slowly, somehow, begin to trust Enough to keep on searching, even without knowing where to look. And after spending some time inside the tomb, Mary turns around and sees Jesus standing there. But she does not yet recognize him as the one whom she's looking for. Instead, 
she sees a gardener. Although maybe this is exactly what Mary was supposed to see. One who nurtures and looks after. Who carefully tends and cultivates well-being and growth. One who makes beauty out of ordinary things and brings life from the dust of the earth. It is only after Mary, Jesus speaks to Mary that Mary discerns his presence. It is only after Mary hears the sound of his voice. And then she remembers. And then she sees. And then she embraces him. Mary embraces the one who created her. And God said, let there be light. And light appeared. And God saw how good the light was. Mary had to look inside the tomb before she could see the life that lay beyond it. And this, dear church, is at the very heart of things. For such is the gift of resurrection hope emerging out of the very sights of death and desolation and emptiness. As we gather here today in the good news of our risen Lord, it is not that we no longer weep and mourn, but that it has been given for us to place our trust, however delicate that trust may be, in the God of faithful love and kindness, who comes to meet us in our suffering, who embraces us in the tombs. It is this God who is present with us, both in our need and in our honesty, who also sends us as witnesses of a new beginning, not merely as those who see and who hear, but as those who have become participants in the continuation of the story of Jesus, visibly enacting and responding to the message of the gospel by allowing God's presence in and through the risen Christ to become alive in each of us. Such witness is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, effusing the testimony of the empty tomb in and through and beyond the church, that we may reside in solidarity, making a home with the sorrowing peoples of the world, thus embodying divine love in action. We do this by demonstrating compassionate respect toward one another and toward ourselves. We do this by giving of ourselves and using our gifts to encourage those around us. We do this by listening and by exhibiting friendship and openness towards strangers and enemies. We do this by sacrificing on behalf of those who face the suffering of rejection. We do this by living with reverence toward creation and by preserving the dignity of human life. All of this we do as witnesses in the name of Jesus, who is alive, who meets us gladly as we walk together in the paths that he has made for us. For the God who said, let there be light, 
is the Christ who said, I am the light of the world, who gives light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, who guides our feet in the way of peace. May our lives together be a witness to the love that God in Christ has made known to us, becoming a people who are learning both how to follow and to trust the salvation of God in all its breadth, in all its wonder, in all its fullness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen.